Amen. Lord, we so look forward to the day we will see you face to face. Lord, I pray that would be imprinted on every one of our hearts. Lord, you'd paint eternity on our eyes. Lord, as we long for the time we'll be around your throne and we will worship you forever and ever and ever. Lord, I just pray that the time that we have here and now, that we would use it for your glory. Father, it's such a vapor of time, such a short amount of time compared to eternity. May we not waste it. May we not get our eyes off of you. We love you and we praise you, Lord, as we go to your word. May you be our teacher. Lord, I pray that man would decrease, that your spirit would increase, that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Welcome again to Calvary Chapel. If you don't have your Bible, you need one. So raise your hand. We'll get you one if you didn't get one earlier. Turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 30, continuing our verse-by-verse study through the Old Testament. If you're new to Calvary Chapel, we just go chapter by chapter, verse by verse, book by book, right through the Bible. We started in Genesis 1 on Wednesday nights. We just go right through the Old Testament. We started in Matthew 1 on Sunday mornings. This coming Sunday, we just finished 1 Corinthians last Sunday. So we'll be starting Galatians this coming Sunday. I want to encourage you to read ahead. Always do that. You know where we're going to be. So read ahead and let God minister to your heart even before you get here. Well, I titled the message tonight, for those of you who take notes, A Matter of Life and Death. Pretty straightforward. Hard to imagine your pastor would come up with something straightforward, but (laughs) Moses is drawing to the end with this this last generation, this next generation, I should say. As they're about to enter into the land of promise, his days are numbered. As we're going to see beginning next week, we're going to start to see the end of Moses' life. So Moses' days are numbered, and they're about to enter in, and as a a spiritual father or a, with a pastor's heart, he's preparing them. That they're getting ready to go into, yes, a land flowing with milk and honey, but also a land that would be filled with temptation. It was a place that was going to be just fruitful and bountiful, but at the same time, where it's fruitful and bountiful, temptation's always there. Same is true in our lives. Sometimes the greatest struggles we have is when we're in the midst of the greatest blessing. Because then we get complacent. We stop being desperate for God. And so last week in chapter 29, those of you who are here, it was an abbreviated version of the entire book. He reminds them again, and you know, if, if you've been here for Deuteronomy, you know there's a lot of repetition. And some people go, why do they repeat stuff so much in the Bible? Because you and I are thick, and we need to hear it again. Amen? We need to hear it again. God tells us again because we need to hear it again. And Moses is telling these guys, look, I'm telling you right now, you're going, okay, Mo, heard it, all right? Heard it, R- whatever, right? But you know, I know that once you get over into the land flowing with milk and honey, your, your eyes are going to be tempted by the idols that are around you and all the things that are going on, and it's going to be very easy for you to forget. The same is true for us. You hear it, man, I come every Sunday, and you, know, you guys keep teaching the Bible. Well, duh. But, and, and you teach it again and again and again. I had one guy tell me, well, I've been through the New Testament. I don't need to come on Sundays. I've already been through the New Testament. I'm like, we're not reading Moby Dick. It's the Bible. And the point is that every week we go out into the world all week. And every week we have struggles and temptation all around us. And we need to come and be fed and be refreshed and be encouraged and strengthened in our walk. Amen? Amen. And so this is what he's telling me. He's repeating to them again. He's telling them again. And last week was a great just synopsis of the whole book in chapter 29, as this is what he did throughout the book. He reminded them first of all that God had done for them. 
Again, if you're new, this is the book written to that next generation. The previous generation died in the wilderness because of their disobedience. They refused to enter into the land of promise when God told them because they were afraid of the giants in the land. And that 11-day journey turned to a 40-year death march, and everybody died. Now the next generation is about to enter in, and Moses' heart is he doesn't want to see them follow in the same footsteps. So he's reminding them again of all God had done for them. He reminded them that they were once in bondage. And God brought the plagues upon Egypt. He reminded them of Passover, which is a picture of the cross. How the angel of death passed over those who had the blood of the lamb applied to the doorpost in the shape of the cross. He reminded them about crossing over the Red Sea. He reminded them about the enemies they had defeated along the way. He reminded them about the manna falling from the sky. He reminded them about water coming from the rock. He reminded them about Mount Sinai and Almighty God speaking in an audible voice and the earth shaking and them all hearing His voice and say, don't let Him talk to us again unless we'll die. He reminded them of all those things so that when they got into the land of promise, they wouldn't forget about God. And again, you and I need to be reminded too. He then called them to obedience, both individual obedience and obedience as a nation. God does care whether or not we obey. Amen? Now, we're, again, again, I know it's repetitious, but we're not saved by our obedience, but our salvation should produce obedience. And so it's so important that as our, we fall in love with Jesus, our actions should change. We become a testimony to the world around us. And then lastly, he warned them of God's righteous judgment. So tonight, you might be saying, well, what about, what about me? I've already blown it. You know, he's calling us to obedience. Well, I don't obey. And I've blown it, and I'm walking in rebellion right now. And, you know, I, I came to church because I knew I needed to. And, you know, I'm just not doing good. What about me? What would the children of Israel say? What about us? What if we do rebel? What if we do go outside of God's will? What if I've disregarded all that God has done for me? What if I've forgotten about, again, the commands? What if I've incurred the wrath of Almighty God and I'm in danger of the consequences of my sin? Is it too late for me? Is it too late for me to get right with God? That's what this chapter is about tonight. He's talking to the children of Israel and he says, you know what? He's going to begin by saying, I know when you get there you're going to blow it. I've already commanded you over and over and over again, but I know what's going to happen. You're going to get there and you're going to blow it. And then you're going to think, now what? Well, I want to encourage you. That yes, you're going to blow it, but praise God, it's never too late to get right with God. Will He still take us back after all that we've done? What must I do to make things right? How high must I climb? How far must I go? How deep must I dig? Well, in tonight's text, Moses is speaking to the children of Israel, and first he's going to speak to them God's promises. Now, as we're going to see, with often with God's promises, they're conditional promises. They're if-then promises. If you do this, then I will do this. If you do this, then I will do this. And so there's a point where we, as men and women, respond to God, and however we respond, again, automatically, because of God's nature, brings His response, His righteous response, His holy response. So He's going to speak to them about restoration for Israel if they will repent when they've blown it how they can be regathered back into the land of promise, that God would soften their hearts. He would reignite their love for God. Maybe you're here tonight and you need your love for God reignited. You know what? Man, burnt Lord, you know, light the fire again. I love that song. You know, we need that fire lit within us. We need to stoke the fire in our walk with the Lord sometimes because we get dry and we get distracted. He said also, if you'll re- respond in repentance after you've blown it, I'll bring curses upon your enemies. I'll bless the work of your hands. You'll be fruitful and you'll multiply. So he's not only going to talk about God's promises, that's the first half of the chapter, then he's going to talk about man's choices. Here's God's promises, now how does man respond? Here's, man, here's what Christ has done for you, how are you going to respond? 
And that's really this picture here. He's going to talk about our ability and our opportunity to choose between life and good, death and evil. And the choice to follow God and be blessed, or to reject God, walk in rebellion, serve other gods, and eventually be destroyed. The opportunity for a fruitful life with intimate fellowship with God, or, again, to go outside of God's will, live our own way, and then deal with the consequences. He's also going to make it really clear that that fruitful walk with God is not achieved through man-made efforts by climbing and going and digging, but through simple brokenness, repentance over our sin, and our rebellion against God, and choosing life over death. So tonight's message, a matter of life and death, we're going to see two things, God's promises and then man's choices. So let's begin by looking at God's promises in verses 1 through 10. Now this is His covenant with Israel, and as we're going to see in the first few verses, it is a conditional covenant. It is God's promise based on man's obedience. And with man's disobedience, there was yet another promise that would still be fulfilled. Verse 1 of chapter 30. Now it shall come to pass, when all these things come upon you, the blessings and the curse which I have sent before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you. Now it shall come to pass, if all these things come upon you, that's not what it says. He says, when all these things come upon you. If you've been here the last two weeks, what have we seen the last two weeks? Heavy duty, both blessings, but even more so, curses coming from God. And he said, both of these things are going to come upon you. Both the blessings for walking in obedience and the curses for walking in disobedience. In the previous chapter, Moses, inspired by God, carefully explained the blessings that would come upon obedience. If you remember, it was 68 verses in chapter 28. 14 verses of blessings and 54 verses of curses. And some of you might say, well, God's kind of a bummer God then. No, He just knows we're going to blow it more than we're going to obey. Amen? And He says, Here's, here it is, guys, get ready, be warned. And I don't want you to think, oh, this is just a, by a coincidence that I, I went out and did that and now there's consequences. No, God wants to make it really clear, you did that and here's the consequences. And they came from God because He loves you. Sometimes we need a Holy Spirit swat, amen, to draw us right back into where we need to be with the Lord. Those who the Lord loves, He disciplines. Now under that same inspiration that told Him of the blessings and cursings, now He's going to tell them that these things are certain future events, that Israel, through obedience, would experience blessings like no other nation, and through disobedience would, in, would uh, incur the wrath of God like no other nation. This is a fact. If you look back, there's been no other nation more blessed than Israel and no other nation with more difficulty than Israel, ever. And you can just look at that from the height of blessing during the reigns of David and Solomon to the depths of cursings of the various sieges and captivities and the eventual fall and destruction of Jerusalem. Israel's history is either a, a legacy of being cursed or blessed by God. When people look at Israel, all you have to do is look at Israel and see what's going on and you'll know how they're doing with God. Amen? They're doing well with God, they're blessed. They're disobeying God, tough times. And you know what? And again, I want to make it also clear that our God is a God of love and grace and mercy. Amen? And He doesn't give us what we deserve, and aren't you glad? And what we're talking about tonight, most, for the most part, is the Old Covenant. Now, the Old Covenant is different than the New Covenant that we operate under today. But there's still so much we can learn from the Old Covenant about walking in obedience with Almighty God. Now, Israel's history, again, is that legacy, and the same is true for you and I. 
It says, you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you. The word call there in Hebrew means to cause them to return to your heart. He's saying, you know what, when you go out amongst other nations and you're being cursed, and you're going through difficulty, it should be a reminder to you of how, how far away you've gotten from God. Same is true, I bet we could we probably stand up and take turns talking about the times we got so far away from God and we were just flat out miserable. Amen? And praise God for that misery. Why? Because then we continue in it. We would just keep going if we didn't get to the point where we were miserable. Sin is pleasurable for a season. But in the end, you know, that, that beer commercial ends up with a guy puking in the gutter. Amen? And with a hangover at work, right? And with a DUI and sitting in a jail cell and a broken marriage and liver problems. And how come they never show that at the end of the Budweiser commercial? They just show the pleasurable sin for a season and not all the consequences of sin. And what he's saying here is, you know what, it's going to bring to your mind. When you go out and those curses come, it's going to bring you back to mind. And it's also going to be a testimony to the people around you that know that you're a child of God when they see the consequences of your life. Ooh, God's mad at him. Right? And that's what he's telling Israel. You go out, you disobey, you get outside of my will, the consequences will come. Israel was to remember the promises and the curses of God, even as they were driven into captivity as a result of their own disobedience. And it's when we're at the end of ourselves, when we're buried by, buried by the weight of our own sin, that's when we must remember the promises and the grace of God. Just as he promised our, our choice to sin or rebel would destroy us, so too he promised that if he re- we turn to him, he will restore us. Just as he promises sin has consequences, he also promises that repentance will always be met with forgiveness. Amen? So praise God. I choose to sin, consequences come. I choose to repent. I get my eyes back on the Lord. He's always willing and faithful to forgive us. And praise God for that. I want to make it clear, though. Forgiveness is not just saying I'm sorry. Repentance is not just saying I'm sorry. We'll talk about that some more. If I catch my kids doing something, they say I'm sorry so they don't get a swat. That is not repentance. Amen? That's, you know, putting a pillow in a, I just don't want to get hit, right? I mean, and we can do that with God. God knows. You can't get over on God, amen? God knows better. You can play games with Him, but He'll catch you every time. Verse 2, and you return to the Lord your God and obey His voice. So when you go out and these curses come, it's a testimony to the people around you, it will remind you of why these curses have come, why this discipline has come, and what will it do? You return to the Lord your God and obey His voice. So if, when these things happen, you return to the Lord God and obey His voice, here's the condition. You go out, the conviction for uh, you and I today of the Holy Spirit comes, and we come back to the Lord with a heart of repentance, then the promises come. The same is true here for Israel. You go out, you've been walking in disobedience, and now here comes, the, here comes the, the conviction in a sense. Here comes the curses that come along with disobedience. And if that drives you back to the Lord, and you return to the Lord your God and obey His voice, it says. So we see that return just, doesn't just mean going home, but it means coming back with a heart of repentance. Again, again, leading us to repentance. We must be mindful of His Word. So they're going to remember what God's Word said, and that's going to bring about repentance. You're going to remember what God said. If you do this, then the curses come. They go out, the curses come. Oop, God said that. And then it drives them back to the Lord. Oh, God knew what He's talking about. I'm not smarter than God after all. I better go back where I was. And this is what He's telling Israel. You go out, you're outside of my will, 
and you know what? You disobey God, you remember His word, and if you come back, as it says in that verse, and you obey His voice, so now obedience is part of that response of repentance. Israel would often forget God in times of of blessing and prosperity, crying out to Him only after they'd been captured, only after they'd been attacked. But here again we see the promise of God's grace, that if they were to turn to the Lord, God would bless them. Again, notice, I want you to see the words in this verse. Return, obey, you and your children, with all your heart and with all your soul. So what is repentance? It's turning. uh, Again, repetitive, but I'll say it again. Repentance, the word means to turn. I'm going in this direction, and I stop, and I go in the exact opposite direction. That's repentance. Repentance isn't, I'm going in this direction, I've been caught. I'm going to keep going this direction, but I'm going to apologize that I'm going in this direction. Amen? Repentance means 180, going the exact opposite way of where I was headed. And what he's saying to them very clearly here, repentance is turning, but it's also obeying. And after you obey, it changes your heart and it changes your actions. Not just, I'm sorry that I got caught. And I love that it says here, obey his voice according to all I command you today, you and your children, with all your heart and with all your soul. You know what? Parents, the way you live your life will impact your kids. The way you serve God will impact your kids in a negative or a positive way. When your kids are going to look at you as the greatest example of a Christian. What do Christians look like to your kids? Are they yelling and screaming and out of control and getting in fights with each other and cursing and, well, and chewing each other out all the way to church and then getting out of the car and going, praise the Lord? You know, your kids see it, amen? And he's saying, bring you and your children. Be a godly example at home. Dad, be the spiritual leader in your home. You be the one that initiates prayer with your kids. It's never too late to do it, by the way. Start today, amen? You be the one to initiate it. And he says, change your heart. And look what it says there. I love this. He says, with all your heart and with all your soul. We don't just serve God part way. We don't just give him some of who we are. We don't just give him our intellect. We don't just give him our heart. We don't just give him our soul. We give him everything. Amen? Amen. Jesus gave everything for us. We're to give everything that we have to him. God's response to Israel and to the repentance, and to their obedience, he's going to give them several promises. Okay, you obey, you respond, you turn back to me, here come the promises. God's promises. Promise number one, verse three and four. That your Lord your God will bring you back from captivity, and have compassion on you, and gather you again from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. If any one of you are driven out of the farthest parts under heaven, from there the Lord will gather you, and from there he will bring you. So he says, if you respond, if you repent, if you turn back to me, if you give me your heart and you give me your soul and you you raise your children to follow me, then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to deliver you out of bondage. And I'm going to bring you back out of that captivity. You know what? That's exactly what God does for us. We get bound to the consequences of our sin, or if we don't know God, we're totally bound up in it. But if we will repent, he will deliver us out of bondage. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. Amen? And as Christians, we're not bound. As Christians, we're not under a heavy weight. It's not a burden to be a Christian. You've heard me say it, I'll say it again. You know what? I hear people say, oh, it's so hard to be a Christian. No, it's not. It's hard not to be a Christian. I can't even imagine. Now, I have to tell you this. I'm totally by. I got saved when I was four and a half in Mrs. Green's class. That means I've been a Christian 38 years. Now, I've not always been on fire for God. There's a few people in here who could tell you that. Right, Doug? I mean, he could tell you. He knew me since high school. I've blown it. But here's the thing. 
you know what? I've never known what it was like not to be saved. I mean, I guess when I was four in the sandbox, maybe, I don't know. But I can't imagine living life without the Lord. I can't imagine how people go to work and deal with the struggles of life and there's trials with their kids and all that stuff and don't know God. I can't even imagine what that's like. And you know what? He says, if you're in that captivity, repentance, he bring them back. He says, you know what? Children of Israel, you can disobey me. You can be outside of my will. You can be in captivity. You can be in bondage to a, a taskmaster. And if you'll return to me, I'll take you out of it. Aren't you glad? If you're here and you're captive to drugs or alcohol or pornography or anger or bitterness or whatever it is, and again, I'm going to step on some toes, but so be it. You don't need a 12-step program. You need Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus Christ will deliver you from it completely. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. That's all you need. Now, has God used 12-step programs in people's lives? There's no question. I, absolutely. But you know what? Jesus Christ is what you need. You don't need Ritalin. You don't need antidepressant drugs. You don't need any of that. You need Jesus. Amen? Either he can transform our life or he can't. And so what he's saying here, you're in captivity, you're in bondage, turn to me and I'll bring you out of it. And I love that promise because that still applies to us, doesn't it? We can turn to the Lord completely. Now, I want to make this really clear. Sometimes people think I'm, I'm bashing on counseling. I'm not, absolutely not. I believe in godly counsel from the Bible. Amen? The word of God is, God says he is our mighty counselor. So we should have counsel, but get it from God's word, not from the world. And he says there, you know what? He'll gather you back from captivity. He'll free you from bondage. And I love the word that says he'll have compassion on you. He'll have compassion on you. Aren't you so glad he's a compassionate God? Aren't you glad that when we totally blow it, he still loves you anyway? He, still, he, he who knows me best loves me most. And so the heart of this covenant is when you go out there and you've been banished from the land of bitterness and it's filled your heart. In that place, if you'll return to me, I'll gather you back to the land. You know what? This exact thing was already fulfilled. It's been fulfilled a couple of times. One, one example was in the time of Daniel. You guys remember the story? The Babylonians came in. Why? Because they got caught up in idol worship. They disobeyed God, carried away into captivity. They were in captivity for 70 years. At the end of that time, Daniel read Jeremiah, where Jeremiah says that their captivity would last for 70 years. And Daniel began to pray. And he began to intercede. He repented on behalf of the nation and said, God, forgive us. With sackcloth and ashes on his knees day and night. And you know what God did? He heard his prayer and he moved on the heart of Cyrus, the, the king at the time. And they were delivered back into the land. You know what? That was prophesied right here in Deuteronomy. You know what else? We're seeing a fulfillment of, in a sense, today as well. Because they're being brought back into the land of Israel. And again, that's not the ultimate fulfillment. We'll talk about this more as we move on. But as he pleaded for God's mercy, God was faithful to, for, and again, to forgive them. He said, from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you from the farthest parts. In verse 5 there. Now, uh, verse 4, excuse me. Now what's key about that, that was not fulfilled in the Babylonian captivity. That's fulfilled now. You know there are people living in Israel, I believe, from virtually every nation upon the earth. Jews have been drawn back to Israel. That's a fulfillment of this prophecy right here. Now I want to say this real clearly. It's not a complete fulfillment because as we move on, we're going to see that Israel's still in rebellion. The Jews are still in rebellion today. There's a remnant. There are people that love God amongst the Jews, but the Orthodox Jews themselves still reject Jesus as the Messiah. And the Jewish people as a whole, most of them are either agnostic, they don't believe in God at all. So there's still going to be something greater that God does with the Jewish nation. And we'll see it as we continue to read on. So today... Again, a partial fulfillment, 
or a foreshadowing of the ultimate fulfillment in that God has brought them from all over the world and brought them back into Israel. Verse 5. Then the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed. You shall possess it. He will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. Again, that's been fulfilled right now. Now, you would read these verses 75 years ago, and people tried to apply it to the church, or some people who who believed the Bible said that Jews are going back to Israel. People go, it's Palestine. You're out of your mind. But you know how God, what an awesome God we serve? God used even the Holocaust for His glory. How did He do that? The Jews were hated by the world. After the Holocaust, there was a great amount of sympathy that rose up. And because of it, through that, they gave them back the land that belonged to them all along. And the Jews went back in to the land in fulfillment of verse 5. That God said, I'm going to bring you back to the land that your fathers possessed. The British tried to give them Uganda. Okay, the Jews, you can have a state, go start a Jewish state in Uganda. They said, no, we must go back to the land our fathers possessed, and that's why it's the fulfillment of Scripture. you got to love the Bible. It rocks. It does. Promise number two, to bring them back to the land. He said, you obey me, I'll take you out of captivity. Not only that, I'll bring you back to the land that your fathers possessed. And that's exactly what we've seen happen. This is an end time sign, you guys. Israel returning to its land. Now that ultimate gathering is still to come. Where do we see that in the Bible? Matthew 24. Matthew 24, 31. Don't turn there. I'm just going to read it to you. At the second coming of Christ, this is what happens. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from all four winds, one end of heaven to the other. Did you read verse 4? From every part under heaven, the elect there is not the church, it's the Jews. Because we as the church won't be here. Okay, amen? We're going to be in heaven. So who's he gathering up? He's bringing the Jews back in. And this is a point where the Jews that have gone through the tribulation have survived, virtually all of them will be saved. They will look on him whom they have pierced, they will repent of their sin, and there will be a massive turning to Almighty God. Praise the Lord for that. And he, amen. And you know what? We need to be the ones provoking them to jealousy by them seeing Jesus in us. So even if they don't return, respond today, that when we're gone, that God will remind them of the testimony we had with them. Amen? And so this is the heart, again, of God that, guys, if you will turn back to me, I'm going I'm to take you out of captivity. I'm going to bring you back into the land that belonged to your fathers. And not only that, you will prosper and you will multiply more than your fathers. Now, this is partially true today because Israel as a nation today is larger and stronger and richer than any time in history. Now, that's only because there's more people on the planet, but it is larger and stronger and richer than any time in history. But guess what? That's still a foreshadowing of what it's going to be like during the millennial kingdom when it, it's going to be greater than anything we've ever seen. The ultimate fulfillment, again, is yet in the future. Now, here's how we know that this hasn't ultimately been fulfilled with the Jews. Look at verse 6. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live. So when repentance came, true repentance, it would also be followed by a love for God. Now, it did happen in the Babylonian captivity. It did happen with Assyria and others. But has it happened today? They're back in the land, but have they repented? Absolutely not. 
That's why it's only a foreshadowing of that ultimate gathering together again that is still in the future that is yet to take place. So the promise number three for these that he's talking to is they're about to go into the land of promise. Okay, you've blown it. You're carried away into captivity. You repent. I'll bring you back. I'll put you into the land of the that belong to your fathers, I'll multiply you, I'll bless you, and I'll give you a great love once again for Almighty God. Great promise. You know what? You want to reignite your love for God? Repent of the struggles you're having in your life. Because sin is a barrier between you and God. We're born again, we're new creations in Christ, but as we sin, we can still break fellowship with God. We still can be in rebellion in our walk with the Lord. We don't have that intimacy with Him as we once did. As remarkable and as prophetically meaningful as the modern gathering of Israel is, again, it's still incomplete. Because the Jews are still, as I said before, in rebellion against God. And again, we should never be anti-Semitic, amen? amen. We, are, we should be, again, provoking them to jealousy. We should be reaching out to them in love. There are many Jews for Jesus today, amen? There are many been born again, and we want to see them all come to know Christ. Reject Jesus as the Messiah. Their hearts are still hard. But again, in Ezekiel, it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them indeed. And Paul then promised in Romans 11 that all of Israel would be saved. So we need to continue to pray for Israel. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't been to Israel, pray about going. I know some of you financially just doesn't work, timing, whatever. Just pray about it. Because I'm telling you right now, the Bible in 3D. That's what it is. Pastor Chuck said one, two weeks in Israel is worth a year of Bible college. And I believe that. You know, it'll just, every time you read the Bible, it'll just be different. It will. Promise number four. Look what he says in verse seven. Also, the Lord your God will put all the curses on your enemies and on those who hate you and persecute you. So, if they will respond in repentance when they've been in disobedience against God, He will not only bring them out of captivity, restore them back to the land, prosper them, prosper them bless them, reignite their love for Him, but He'll also take care of their enemies. Aren't you glad that God just takes care of the enemies? That means I don't have to. And now sometimes I want to, don't you? <laughs> Quick story. The other day, just to show your heart, the, pastor, the heart of your pastor that you've got to pray for me too because I blow it. This guy, my son was at his little league, little league game. He's playing All-Stars right now. And at the end of the game, he threw his water bottle against the wall, which you don't do that. Water got everywhere. But it was water. Son went over to pick it up, and some guy went over and started cussing my son out. I'm going to, I don't even want to, right? Cussing my son out. Now, the father in me wants to go drop that guy like a bag of rocks. Who do you think you're talking to? You know what I mean? Now, I wasn't there. Then my son came and said, don't talk to my brother. Well, then he turned and started cussing my son out. My other son. So now he's after two of my kids. Oh, that's not good. So then I walk over and I hear this from an adult and someone else that happened to my son. I said, where is this guy? Oh, he's over there. So I walk over to his truck. I go, hey, I know you corrected my kids, but you know what? It's fine to correct them for what he did, but I don't appreciate the language and the attitude and the threats and all that. And he just started cussing me out and telling me he'll do whatever he blanking well pleases and blah, 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 blah. And I'll tell you what. Pastor Dave and his flesh want to drag him out of his truck. I mean, two hits, me hitting you, and you hitting the ground. But I didn't do that. I was very calm. On the, my son, Johnny, goes, Dad, you were so calm. You didn't get upset. I said, you didn't see your dad on the inside. I would, all I said to him was, hey, if you continue to be abusive toward my kids, you will deal with me. 
because it's not appropriate. That's all I said, and I walked away, but believe me. So I'll praise God that God can deal with my enemies. Amen? And you know what God's put on my heart? I need to pray for that guy. He needs to be born again. Found out he's got a drinking problem, some other things going on in his life, and that guy needs Jesus. We shouldn't be surprised when the world acts like the world. Dogs bark, that's what dogs do, and ungodly people act like they don't know God. Amen? And so we shouldn't be surprised. Instead, we should say, man, here's an opportunity to share Jesus with the guy. And so, sure enough, I go to the next All-Star game, and guess who comes and sits right next to me? So be praying for him. Pray for me. (laughs) All right. So the promise number four is to bring curses upon their enemies. Again, while God was, has, again, through history, protected Israel, defeated their enemies, and the ultimate fulfillment is yet in the future. We know the ultimate story in Armageddon, right? Everybody in the world is coming against Israel. How's that going to work out for them? Not too good. Because you plus God is the majority, amen? And we won't be here for it, so praise God for that. Verse 8. And you will again obey the voice of the Lord... And do all his commandments, which I command you today. Here's a sign of true, of true repentance, obedience. Because what does he say here? You will obey. If you've repented, I'll deliver you out of captivity. I'll bless you. I'll bring you back into the land. You'll prosper. All those things will happen, but you know what? You'll obey. That's the sign of true repentance is obedience. Again, yet to be fulfilled in Israel because they continue to walk in rebellion. Verse 10, 9 and 10. The Lord your God will make you abound in all the work of your hand and the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock and the produce of your land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over you for good as he rejoiced over your fathers. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes which are written in the book of the law, if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Again, we see that this is a conditional covenant. God will bless if you obey. He says, if you obey me, If you obey the voice of the Lord to keep His commandments and His statutes with all your heart and your soul, there will be fruit. The work of your hands will be blessed. The produce of your land, they will be multiplied in their offspring if they obey the voice of the Lord. You've heard me say it many times. When we're obedient, God is glorified and we get blessed. If we obey God, God will do great and awesome things. Now, we don't obey, and I want to make it clear, we're not manipulating God. We don't obey God so He'll bless us. We obey God because He's blessed us, because we trust Him, because we, lo- we know how much He loves us, and He knows what is best for us. So a matter of life and death, the first half we've seen God's promises to bless, to prosper, to protect, to bring them back to the land of their fathers, to reignite their love relationship with God if they would simply return to God and obey His voice. Now the last section, we're going to look at man's choices his opportunity and ability to choose between life and good, death and evil, to follow God and be blessed, or to reject God, walk in rebellion, serve other gods, and in this case, be destroyed. Look at verse 11. For this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. Israel could not plead ignorance with God. Well, I just didn't know. I told you 57 times in Deuteronomy alone, right? I mean, we've seen all this repetition. They couldn't stand before God and said, nobody ever told me. Nobody ever shared the truth with me. You know what? There's nobody in this room that can stand before God and plead ignorance. Amen? We can't stand before God and say, oh, I just never heard it. We have Christian radio. We have, you know, most of you have five or six Bibles at home and, 
you know, might want to get the dust off a few of them. But we got some Bibles at home, and, you know, we listen to Christian music in the car, and, you know, we go to Bible study, and we do all these things, and we, the Lord is near to us, amen? He's not far away. He's not hiding. And you would think, from most of the world's actions that we live in today, you would think that God was hiding. God had brought it right to them. They knew it. Now it was up to them to choose whether or not to obey. And here's the thing, you guys. Because we're created in the image of God, we have minds to think with, hearts to feel with, and a will to decide with. God has given us all free will. And I know there's a few people in the room that are going to disagree with me, and that's okay, and I love you anyway. But God has given us free will. Because if not, we're a bunch of robots who've been forced by God to do it. If God only died for some, then He's not the God of the Bible. It is His desire that none should perish, no, not one. Amen? That's His desire. So, if we were all robots, we'd all have to be saved because it's his desire that, not, that we should all be saved. So it proves that there's free will and that we make choices to accept or reject God. The same is happening here. They can accept him or reject him. They can turn to him or turn away from him. Nobody's going to stand before God and be thrown into hell because they had no opportunity to know him. Sent off. I didn't die for you. You had no shot. Out of here. That's not what happened. Everybody will stand before God having rejected him. Every person that goes to hell will have run over the cross of Christ to get there. They will have denied His grace. They will have rejected the work. They'll, they'll say, I don't need you, God. I don't need you, God. I don't need you, God. And God will eventually give them what they ask for. We're not robots. We can hear God's word, learn God's will, and neither decide to obey or disobey Him. Again, the truth of God's command has been delivered clearly to Israel. It wasn't hidden. It wasn't afar off. They could respond by faith or reject in rebellion. And again, in the Old Covenant, it was choice and sacrifice. In the Old Covenant, how did they obey God? Part of obeying God was not just obeying the law, but they still needed to do what? Make sacrifices. Why? Because there must be the shedding of blood for the remission of sin. Innocent blood must be shed... Why? Because that all points to Jesus. If they could just keep the law and be obedient to Almighty God, then we wouldn't need the cross. Amen? So the Old Covenant, often people only think of the law. Well, it's the law plus the sacrifices. Without the sacrifice, there can be no remission for our sin. Israel could keep the Old Covenant, but would they? It's been exposed to them. God wouldn't call us to respond if it was impossible. God didn't call them to do something that was impossible. God won't call you to do something that's impossible. He calls us to respond in obedience to Him. Remember that the law was only, again, one aspect. So, too, you and I can respond by faith to the gospel, but will we? Now, look at these next two verses here. Reminds me so much of Santa Cruz. Look at this, verse 12. It is not in heaven that you should say, Will we ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? Nor is it beyond the sea that we should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Who will ascend into heaven? You know who I thought about? All the people that are chanting, trying to ascend into the third heaven or something. Right? Home. Right? What are you doing? I'm, I'm just seeing through my third eye. Going up. Stop it. You need to be saved. Amen? You can't go up into heaven. You know, you don't need to crawl up. You know, and this is, or who will go across the sea? I thought about people who go across to study with the Tibetan monks or, Right? Tibetan monks come to town and people flock down there like you would think so. And they're making a little sand picture or something. You seen this on TV? They're making sand pictures. They're like, oh, this is so spiritual. What are you talking about? They're coloring, okay? 
This is not spiritual. We don't, oh, if it's across the ocean, it must be spiritual. If the guy's wearing a robe, oh, it must be spiritual. Oh, I'm going to send up into the heavens. I'm going to go on some spirit journeys. It's right next to you. You don't have to ascend into the heavens. You don't have to go across the sea. He's going to tell them salvation is near to you. And it's near to every single one of us. There's no way we have to travel. There's nothing we have to do. We don't have to climb to the top of some mountain on our knees on broken glass to prove to God that we love him. We don't have to dig into our past, dig deep into our past and deal with all the issues and clean out all the baggage so somehow we're acceptable to God. You're acceptable to God right now if you come to him through the blood of Christ. You're all acceptable. And he's saying you don't have to ascend. You don't have to go beyond the sea. Look at verse 14. But the word is very near to you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. God's word was near to them as it is near to us today. It was in their mouth. It was on the tip of their tongue. In your heart you know the truth. You know right from wrong. And you know what? Somebody quotes these verses later. Who does it? The Apostle Paul. I had it marked, but I took my marker out. Don't turn there, because I don't like people, I don't like taking you all over the Bible, because then you get lost, and you forget what chapter we were in, and you go home, and they say, what chapter was it? I don't know. A whole bunch of them. Let me just read to you. Write it down if you take notes. It starts in, it's in Romans 10, verses 6 through 10. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, will we ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss that we can bring Christ up from the dead? But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For your heart, with your heart one believes into righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So what are they talking about here? He's talking about salvation. Where is it? It's near to you. It's not you working so God will love you. It's not you digging down deep. It's not you dealing with your past. It's you just simply taking what is right near to you, opening up your mouth and confessing Him as Lord and Savior. That's it. That's the gospel, amen? Amen. It's nothing more than that. It's not working harder on it. And again, you'll notice there's one step here. Amen? (laughs) One. Jesus. There it is. Okay? And again... My heart's not to offend anybody. If I'm offending you, then forgive me, all right? While we know right from wrong, we don't always do right. There's a need for sacrifice. The law can't save me. It's not the law, but my flaw. Amen? What does the old covenant do? It reveals my sin and my need for a Savior. It's exactly what it does. And we should know that salvation is near to us. You don't have to attain it, strive for it, seek, you know, just turn to the Lord. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. You know what? I believe this as an application for Christians too. As we struggle in our walk, we don't have to go climb a mountain or sail across the sea or dig deep with a therapist again or turn to anything else but the Lord. Why would we go to anybody else when we can go straight to God? And I want to encourage you too. And again, I don't want to downplay this. You don't always have to go to your pastor either. Amen? Sometimes people come to me 10 times over the same thing. You know what I'll tell them? You know what? I'm happy to pray with you. I love you. I will continue to pray for you. But next time you think about calling me, why don't you drop to your knees and talk directly to the man? Amen? Talk directly to Almighty God. And again, I want to make sure I'm making it very clear. You call the office anytime you want. That's why we're there. We're here to serve you. We love you guys. It's our privilege to pray for you, to minister you any way we can. But I want to make sure that we don't start taking the place of God in your life. 
Don't ever let the pastors be the ones you hold on to. You hold on to the Lord, not to us. You hold on to us too long, not going to be good. You're going to be disappointed, I promise. Now he says here, but the word is very near you, in your mouth, in your heart, that you may do it. See, I've said before you today, life and good, death and evil. Here it is. Here's the choice. Life and good, death and evil. Choose. You only get one. Life and good, death and evil. And the sad part is, most people choose death and evil. Right? They choose it. They make the decision towards death. Verse 16. And then I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, to keep His commandments, His statutes, His judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land where you go to possess. So, if you choose life, God's going to bless you. If they would walk in obedience to God, He would bless them in the land of promise. As Israel entered into the land again, they would choose trusting God and being blessed, or turning to idols and being cursed. If you trust in anything other than the Lord, you will be disappointed. You will. You trust in your Stock account, well, you learned that a few years ago, didn't you? Whoops. There were more millionaires made and more millionaires lost in like a one-year period of time than all of the rest of history combined. And if you put your trust in your bank account, or if you put your trust in your health, or you put your trust in anything that you can lose, then you don't have a very firm foundation to stand on. You put your trust in the Lord. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's a great and awesome God. He will always be with you. As Israel entered the land, they were going to have choices to make. Now remember, he's talking to Israel. You guys are going in. Choose. Choose. Good and blessings. You want to be blessed? Honor God. Choose God. Trust God. Be blessed. Turn to the idols. Be cursed. Verse 17. But if your hearts turn away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. What does that mean? You're going to die. If you, if you obey God, you're going to be blessed. You disobey God, you're going to die. Now, I'm thinking, this is a pretty, again, it's near to you, amen? This is not a mystery. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know if I worshiped idols, I was going to die. He, he told you 500 times, right? He wrote it down. He put it on stone, so every time you walked into the city, you saw it. Touch idols and you'll die, right? I mean, that should be enough. And instead, they continue to do, and we do the same thing with God, don't we? God says, you know what, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, we do it anyway. We're supposed to remain sexually pure until marriage. Oh, nah, that doesn't apply to me. Uh, don't be entertained by things, where, oh, then my, nah, I can do it anyway, it doesn't matter. Don't, you know, be not drunk with wine, be full of the Holy Spirit, well, yeah, you know, it's okay if I do it. And we have all these conditions, and then we wonder why there's consequences. Those who the Lord loves, He disciplines. You've been getting away with sin, maybe you don't know God. Amen? Because if you're walking in it and you're His kid... The swats are coming. And praise God for them, amen? amen? It's a good thing. It means you belong. People say to me, man, I, you know, my buddies at work, they like did it 500 times, never got caught. One time I go home 10 minutes early and I lose a week's pay. What's up with that? God loves you. Amen? Lord loves you. Man, they get away with it. I never, there it is. Because God loves you so much. Today, in the new covenant, praise God. In the old covenant, it was obedience and blessing. Disobedience is destruction. Today, in the new covenant, it's not obeying or disobeying. It's accepting or rejecting Jesus. What are you doing with Jesus? That's what matters. And again, obedience will be a sign of a close walk with the Lord. But obedience, as I said, doesn't save us. It's fruit of salvation. And so for you and I, it's what are we doing with Jesus? Where is Jesus in your life today? 
What priority does he have in your day? How much time do you spend thinking on him and praying and meditating on the Lord? The Bible says to pray without ceasing for this is the will of God. And some people say, well, that's impossible. Well, God wouldn't tell us to do something that's impossible. So I believe you wake up in the morning, you begin with prayer, you just leave God on speakerphone all day. Right? Just talk to him while you're driving down. The guy next to you in the car next to you might think you're from Santa Cruz, but that's all right. (laughs) Salvation by the grace of God. And condemnation comes by the righteousness of God. We choose between eternal life and eternal separation. Guys, this is not a game. This is eternity we're talking about. Amen? Eternity is lying in the balance for every single one of us. Can I tell you something as your pastor? As I go through the directory and pray for you guys each week, one of my prayers is there won't be one person that comes to this church and ends up separated from God for all eternity. It just would break my heart and break God's heart even more. Amen? You can play church. God knows your heart. Let's finish up, 19 and 20. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. You know what I love about this? God not only shows here that he gives us a a choice, but he shows us that he wants us to choose life. What does he say here? I've given you free will. Choose between life and death. But by the way, choose life. I love you. Choose life. You can do this or this, but choose life. Amen? This is the heart of God. He doesn't want you to be separated from Him. Choose between life and death. Blessings and cursing. Choose life. These are very solemn words. He says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. Here it is. Before all of creation, choose between life and death. And by the way, choose life. Why? Because I love you. Because I know what's best for you. Trust me. When Moses pled with Israel, crying out for them to choose life, we know he reflected the heart of God toward Israel. Our choice today is, again, not whether or not I obey. That's part of our choice as believers. But will I trust in Jesus Christ in my standing before God? Again, we choose every day whether to sin or not to sin, don't we? You know when you're sinning, don't you? Every time. It's not like, whoops, that was a sin. No. It's always don't, 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 right? Isn't that God? Holy Spirit? Don't, don't. And you go anyway, right? Isn't that how it is? Am I the only one? <laughs> Holy Spirit's got it. I mean, you know, and if you're walking with the Lord, he's got you in a neck hold going, don't you, what are you thinking? Like when I'm standing at that guy's truck and he's cussing me out up one side and down the other, my flesh is like, you know, right? But the Lord's, no! Testimony! Pray for him! I don't like him. Pray for him! <laughs> he's cursing at me. He picked on my kids. They're small, you know? <laughs> I'm a dad. I'm supposed to pray for him. Oh, okay. Right? It's hard sometimes, isn't it? But praise God that the Holy Spirit, because if the Holy Spirit hadn't been there with me, I'd be in jail and Pastor Bill would be your pastor. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit would go, don't, don't. You're out here witnessing to all these, and I'm walking away going, you're witnessing to all these people. Everybody out here calls you Pastor Dave. You're going to start beating some guy up at the Little League field. That'd be a great testimony. <laughs> the enemy, Right? Just, hey, I'm, I'm just being transparent with you, right? Verse 20, that you may love the Lord your God. Choose life, that you may love the Lord your God, and you may obey His voice, and that you may cling to Him, for He is your life. Underline those words if you underline in your Bible. My favorite verse is Philippians, or my life's verse, is Philippians 1.21, which says, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul said that, and you know what he's saying? He's not saying Christ is first on my list. 
He's first, he's 10th, he's 50th, he's 100th, and he's every number in between. Jesus Christ is my life, and when I die, it's only going to get better because I'm going to be in his presence. And he's saying right here, he is your life. Jesus isn't part of your life. It isn't where you go for a couple hours a week. It's who you are. You are a Christian. Amen? A follower of Jesus Christ and needs to be our life. And the length of your days, that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. Now, he's speaking to Israel and he's telling them, you go in, you obey, God will bless you. You go in and you disobey and you go into captivity and you repent, God will bring you back. He'll bless you again. He'll make what you touch fruitful. He'll, he'll multiply your offspring. He'll destroy your enemies. He'll bless you yet again. Maybe you're here tonight and you've been born again, but you've been in captivity because you've made some choices to walk away from God. I want to encourage you tonight, you can be restored. A million steps away from God, right? Only one step back. No matter how far away you've gone from the Lord, He's a gracious God, a loving God, and a merciful God. So a matter of life and death. It's never too late to choose Christ. The Word is near you. It's in your mouth. Choose life and blessing or death and cursing. It's up to every single one of us. It's serious, you guys. Amen? Can I encourage you to? It's serious for your coworkers, for your neighbors, for your unsaved family. We need to be reignited in our passion for the lost. Every believer this side of heaven should be burdened for every unbeliever this side of hell. We should be, you know what, and quit worrying, we should need, and me too, we need to quit worrying about what people think about us. If somebody's drowning, I'm not, we shouldn't worry about how he's going to think about me if I drag him out. Amen? Drag him out. But he doesn't want me to. Do it anyway. Amen? Let's be bold in our faith because again, when this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. Nothing else is going to matter. He is our life. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. I just pray for each of us, Lord, that we would choose today whom we're going to serve, that we would make you the priority in our life. Lord, that we learn from the lessons of Israel as they were so blessed by you, but they got caught up in the world around them. Lord, I pray for us, Lord, that we would make you not a priority, but the priority. Not a part of our life, but our life. Lord, help us to be desperate for you, seeking you at all times, hungry for your word, burdened for the lost. And Lord, I do lift up every unsaved person in Santa Cruz County, Lord. I just pray, Father, for divine appointments this week. I pray for opportunities to share the love of God with them. I pray, Lord, for the radio ministry as your word goes out, that, Father, lives would be touched and transformed. Father, I pray for unsaved family represented here, unsaved kids, unsaved brothers and sisters, unsaved parents. Lord, I just pray, Father, remove the scales from their eyes. Open up their eyes to you. And Lord, may we be a godly example. May we reach out to them. May we be more concerned with their eternity than how they feel about us today. And Lord, I just ask, Father, that you just continue to keep us in a place of desperation and hunger for you. You're a great and awesome God. We just thank you so much for your love and your grace. We thank you that you love us enough to discipline us when we need it. We thank you, Lord, that you love us enough to draw us back into your favor, Lord. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's stand and close the worship song.
to my Jesus. 